Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Welcome back to The Great Unlearn. Today's guest is Lance Armstrong, so I'm going to spare you the traditional bio. What I will say is this is Lance as you've probably never seen him. I've gotten to know Lance over the last several years here in Austin, and this is the Lance that I know. No canned answers. The kimono is wide open. He is a wise ass at times. He's also an outdoor kitty, which I just found out today, which was fascinating to me. You'll have to listen to the episode to find out exactly what he meant by that. Uh, Lance shares what it was like to be a 12-year-old swimming with a 6-year-old because he was not a strong swimmer. Now, to be fair, if I went to go to a swim class, I would probably swim with the six-year-olds right now too. No offense to the six-year-olds, but that's just where I'm at. He talks about what it was like going through that dark period and, and having to really show up as dad and that being the anchor that got him through. Uh, it was really fascinating to hear him share, you know, these dark periods and what he learned from that, which I guess I hadn't really been exposed to that side of Lance. Um, as much time as I've spent with him. And so that was really cool for him to really show up in a way. And 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 listen, this is the great unlearn. So like we're always trying to figure out what we've done right, what we've done wrong, and how we can move forward. And I think this episode in particular, Lance does a really, you know, he's really honest about what he did, you know, that it wasn't about the doping. It was about how he treated people and there's nothing he can do about that now except try to go forward in a different way. And so I really appreciated the way he kind of unpacked all that uh, on the episode. We get into a lot of things. And really, one of the things that I was really, as a, as a podcaster, I was so stoked about was that he talked about getting back on the bike and how that turned everything for him. And I know that just in my experience... It's just about keeping things simple, like not denying what's right in front of you that you love to do. I think a lot of times we take on what other people think we should be doing. And there was a point in his life where he honestly just hated the sport. He had anger. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to say a lot of that was brought on by himself. But he finally came to the realization that he loved the bike. And then once he got back on that bike, his whole world changed. And we talked deeply about how that whole kind of cascade uh, started with the bike and, and it brought him to where he is today, which is a fascinating story. And honestly, I think it's an incredible redemption story. And, and maybe I'm biased because I'm friends with Lance, but I think we all like a, a good redemption story. And I think this is right up there with most of them. So I'm, I'm super grateful for Lance and the way he showed up in this episode. I knew he would, but you just never know. You never know how any episode is going to go. And so for Lance, being as as public a figure as he is, 
I have deep gratitude for his honesty and um, how candid he was. I was thinking about it today. I'm like, what is the real connection here? And it, it occurred to me. Don't say college. No. But somewhat, it's because of college. It is because of college. So back in 2017, I was at Stagecoach. I was going to the airport, or I was getting ready to go to the airport, and one of the guys was like, hey, do you mind if this woman rides with you to the airport? Yeah, no problem. Well, it Hang turns on, stage out... Stagecoach is, is like the country version of Coachella. Exactly. Okay, got it. Right? So I'm out at Madison Club staying with JJ and those guys. And... Uh, I'm talking to this woman on the way to the airport. And she's like, oh, you're from Austin. Uh, My doctor is about to go do some work with Lance Armstrong, (laughs) Dr. Conover. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what are they going to be doing? Well, it's this NAD plus and this fast vitamin and da-da-da-da. I was like, all right, well, I kind of know Lance, but I know college. So I'm going to find out what the hell is going on. Because if this is a thing, then I want to do it. (laughs) If this is a thing. So anyway, I... Connect with college. Was, by the way, who was the woman? I, I'm forgetting her name. Okay. Um, was it Jeannie Anlinger? No. Nope. Older? How old? No. Nope. Uh, a little bit older than us. Hmm. Maybe in her mid-50s. Anyway. Nevertheless, the linchpin here is that through these, uh, the NAD IV therapies we did, we ended up eventually going to On It and doing it. Yep. And that's where I met Kyle yep. Kingsbury, who's a friend of ours. And it was around the time you remember I came back from Las Vegas. I was at the shooting when we were all yeah. head on it. And that for me Crazy. really sparked this awareness. This like, why the fuck am I here? I've kind of done all the things I thought I was supposed to do and I was pretty unfulfilled. And so... You know, through, again, through this NAD therapy, meeting Kyle, it kind of blew everything up because I've started to kind of go down this path of, of self-discovery, mm-hmm. right? And so anyway, that's where the podcast came from. But anyway, that's our connection yep. makes, here. That makes perfect sense. But I want you, I mean, people know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm interested in finding out a little bit. I want people to know kind of a, the more human side, the dad side, the partner side, what you're doing today. Yep. Can you just give us a little background? I mean, you're, you're, you're in, you're, you grew up in endurance yep. sports. Tell us kind of what that, how that shaped your life yeah. and kind of take <laughs> us from there. By the way, before I get into that, I was just in, in Vegas for CES. And, of course, hotel rooms are, we made plans at the last minute. Hotel rooms are impossible to get. So we ended up getting rooms at the Mandalay Bay, which I, I just, you know, to me, I don't like Vegas. So, to, you know, you could say Mandalay Bay or Mandalay J. I don't right. know the difference. So, <laughs> right. But when I walked, when I pulled up, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was, it was freaky. How just, so? Well, just, I mean, the, the particular room that I was in looked down, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, whatever room this lunatic was in is, is you know, probably full of concrete now. Yeah. Um, but the room I was in looked looked down on that part. No just shit. Just like, I'm sure, and I was just like, oh, dude, this is, I kept the blind shut. It was, I was like, get me out of, get me out of Vegas anyways, just because I'm not a big fan. But, yeah, it was, <laughs> the rooms were like, 
a poor place and rooms were like a hundred bucks a night. Like I, and they, I, I know, think and it's they, a stigma. I mean, obviously they took, I think they took a big hit on a lawsuit and I know they've got their insurance and stuff like yeah. that, but I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, I haven't really looked at it. I mean, they, yeah. if you want, unfortunately, if that if that's something that is, you want to, you know, manifest, it can happen. For sure. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that's, that has nothing to do with being endurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, man, I grew up uh, in Plano, Texas. I was born in downtown Dallas to a 17-year-old lady that had didn't have an athletic bone in her body, and mm. but she was, a, she was the baddest mofo around. I mean, at that, that time in, in 1971, I was born in, in a part of Dallas uh, called Oak Cliff. I mean, Oak Cliff was, we were the only white people there. I mean, it was, uh, now Oak Cliff is, if you go to Dallas and, or if you're a, a, a young, um, successful person and you live in Oak Cliff, I mean, that's like living in Clarksville or downtown Austin or even East Austin. That's like the hip. No shit. But in 71, man, it was, it was the skids. Mm-hmm. And so I was born in Methodist Hospital and just kind of kicked around the, you know, the, the, the crazy thing that I think some people know, but um, not everybody knows. So I wasn't born Lance Armstrong. I was born, uh, my, my birth father, who I never met, was a guy by the name of Eddie Gunderson. So I was Lance Gunderson for three or four years. Then my mom remarried. Well, she not remarried. She, was, she never married Eddie Gunderson. Um, and so she married Terry Armstrong. I became, she became Linda Armstrong. I then became Lance Armstrong. Mm. Um, so, and then, uh, yeah. And then, man, I just kind of weaved, we weaved our way through the suburbs of Dallas first in Garland, then in Richardson, and then ultimately in Plano where I spent most of my formative years. And as a kid, just going through all sports, like all kids do. I mean, my kids do it. Your kids probably do it. Let's put them in the basketball league. Let's put them you know, on the baseball team and on the flag football and the blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe, maybe you throw them on the summer swim team. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, I didn't do the summer swim team. So I did all the other sports and just sucked. Like I was, <laughs> it was embarrassing. Like I was just not a ball guy. Hand-eye coordination, terrible. I mean, you played golf. With me, yeah, so it's you, not it's, it's pretty. A, it's an ugly thing. So I still love it. Um, and then, um, uh, and I just finally, on my own, I just said, this is, this sucks. Like, I'm not, I'm not good. Like, I'm not, if if there was an A and a B team, I'm on the B team. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm not, a, I don't like being on the B team. So I completely pivoted, quit all of those sports and joined the swim team as a 12-year-old, which is late to start swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, kids start. Certainly swimming. today, fuck. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you want to be a, a, you know, and this was, this was not, you know, there's two types of kids swim programs. There's uh, there's the sort of country club summer swim program, which maybe your kids do, it's what my kids do. And then there's what they call age group swimming, which is what produces, you know, you know Michael Phelps and, and, and all these people. That's like real year-round swimming. So I joined that program as a 12-year-old and I had some friends on the team. Of course, they were swimming with all the other 12-year-olds. With coach threw me in with, with the six-year-olds because I didn't know how to swim. Mm. And so the way it worked is if you can imagine a six to eight lane pool, you know, one lane was the six-year-olds, the next lane was the sevens. And But I jumped in as a 12-year-old with six-year-olds. And and to be fair, if, if I jumped in right now, I would be jumping in with be, the six-year-olds. You'd be jumping, they'd run, and they'd swim over the top of you. Yeah. But it's where the coach, like, they do this assessment, and, you know, and, and that's where they put me. And I for, I, for the life of me, I have no idea why I stayed. I mean, it, that was... 
I don't remember being embarrassed or humiliated. I just, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was like, but man, within a month, boom, laying over some of the seven-year-olds. Another month, boom, laying over eight-year-olds. And I just worked my way all the way up until when I was 15, I was, um, you know, not, not 14, I was top three in the state in the mile. Um, and all the while, at the same time, running uh, track and cross country in high school. How did you get into that? I just was just always a natural just progression. A, yeah, I just I would I don't know. My mom would she'd occasionally go do some ten k's in Dallas, and so I'd you know go do some of them with her, not training for them, just go do them. So I just, but I was I was a good runner. I mean, I ran. I mean, I I won the I won the uh, the Plano. Uh, this is a really proud moment. Plano, what was it? The Plano Middle Plano City Championships. I won the uh, twelve. They didn't have the mile in middle school. They had the twelve hundred. And um, I'll never forget. I went to Armstrong Middle School, and the t- back then we had timers. And the timers like, "What's you know, what's your name, son?" I said Armstrong. He said, "I said, what's your name?" I said Armstrong. He said, "I've not what school? What's your name?" I said, "No, I'm Armstrong from Armstrong." <laughs> it was fucked up, but yeah, one. Well, the, and then you know, so then I had the two, you know, two thirds of the sport of a triathlon, and 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 then um, I was like, I should try this triathlon. Find a bike. I'll try the triathlon. So then I actually signed up for a kids triathlon called Iron Kids. Won the events in Texas. Went to the national championships in Orlando. Got beat. Got second mm. uh, to a guy, to a kid who ended up being becoming a great running. He ran track and cross country at Notre Dame. Became a professional triathlete. He was a stud. And then I was just on my way. And then I turned pro and try when I was fifteen, mm. like on a whim. I was like, there was the biggest at that time. I was fifteen. I was nineteen. It would have been the 1987 President's Triathlon in Las Colinas. It was the biggest triathlon in the world. Like 5,000 participants. And I just, I said, fuck it. I'll just, I'll race with these guys. So I got my pro license. And uh, I knew I could swim. I came out of the water with the leaders, stayed on the bike with the leaders, and then got, I got smoked a little bit on the run. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was it, man. After that. I was off. And then how long did you do that competitively until you just started to focus on cycling? Not that long. Not, it, it, it felt like a long time, like anything in life. When you look back 30 years, you're like, well, that was a long time. But it was over the, I, I transitioned to cycling exclusively probably three or, three or four years later. So when I was 18 or 19. What was the thing that, the Olympics. that triggered that yeah, for you? I, I, wanted, I wanted more than anything to go to the Olympics. And that was the way to do so it. So this is in 1990, 89, 90. Um, believe it or not, triathlon wasn't an Olympic sport until 2000. Mm. So this is in 90. And I'm going, looking around, going, these guys aren't getting in. Um, I want to go to the Olympics because as a kid, that's what you, that's sure. like, that's like the cool thing. You want to go to the Olympics. So I switched to cycling and then went to the Barcelona games in 92. And then it was truly history i mean that was there was no although i did go back and do some tries in 2011 2012 but yeah all about the olympic dream so tell me this i I, i've often thought about cycling as an individual sport and i think there's an element to that certainly as you're growing up in the sport it's it's very much you against the field and then as you go into um you know more competitive you get in onto a team it becomes a team sport but how does how does that work like uh, kind of walk us through a little bit of like the individual piece 
and then you you come onto a team. What is that transition like? Because mm-hmm. you're used to you against the world. I'm I'm right. imagining right. There's a different mentality, and then it's like, oh, I'm part of a team. Yeah. And then your first team you were a part of. What was your role? Um. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're the leader of the team, it 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 feels like you're. Um, it feels more like an individual sport. If you're, you know, in cycling, they call them domestiques. If you're number six or number seven guy and you're a domestique, you really, you feel like you're a, you're a worker. You're just a lineman. Yeah. And so. Have you you always been the the leader of the team or? Almost right away. I mean, when I started, when I was switched and and got onto my first real cycling team, I, I had, you know, what they would call protected status, you know, where you're, you know, you're looked after in the race and you're not uh, asked or meant to be doing any work at the front trying to control the race or bring back a breakaway or go fetch bottles or raincoats when it starts raining. I mean, Mm. there were times you'd do some of that, but I didn't, I never did that much. Mm. And and not because I came on the team and I said, fuck y'all, I'm gonna be the leader. I mean, it was, that's, cycling is very... Uh, strict and traditional and the, and the, what they call the director sportif, the coach of the team, he dictates all that. So, you know, before races, team meetings, they'll be like, you know, these are our protected guys. And this is, you know, you other seven guys, these are your jobs. And, and your numbers were good enough that, that just put you into that. Yeah. Status. And results. I mean, back then yeah. there were no, I mean, this is in the late eighties, early nineties. There are no numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, where there was no, you know, we were just starting to have heart rate monitors. Damn. Yeah. And then, you know, now, of course, everything's power-based and, and you know, none of that. Absolutely. I guess you could, could have gone into a lab, but the results were the numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what, um, what did you feel like was the biggest challenge of being part of a team sport going from an individual mm-hmm. where, again, like I can imagine that mentality is like, everyone's out to get me yep. because I'm trying to fucking win the race. Right. But I actually like that part. Like I just grow, even though I wasn't good at team sports, I loved team sports. So growing up in Dallas, I mean, you watched, I mean, the Cowboys were such a, I don't even know what happened to this organization, but uh, I mean, back then they the Cowboys were America's team, truly. And and yeah. they were a team and, and, and the team had, and the two different, you know, versions of the Cowboys going back to the Stallback days and, Hollywood Henderson and Drew Pearson, mm. all, all that, Tony Dorsett. And then you had the next wave, which was Aikman and Emmett and and Novacek and, you know, on and on and on. The Moose, uh, Ken Norton. Anyway, so I I always liked watching that. And and, and 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 even though I was not good at football, I could appreciate what it was like to be on a team. <clears throat> so I liked that part. I liked, and, and that carried through all the way, all the way until the end of my career when it was... Um, I loved the team part of it, just sort of that rah rah, and just the behind the scenes, not the shit that everybody saw on TV, because that's where you got to kind of behave. But at the dining table or at in the bus, in team meetings, just trash talking, just shit that guys do on teams. Like I loved that part of it. That that part was easy for me to beam up on. So that was just a nice, uh, kind of a nice transition for you to come into that, yeah. that space. And I, yeah. I have been around you enough to know that you, you're pretty good at the shit talking. Yeah, piece, so. yeah, no, I like that. I honed it. With, yeah. with the fellas. And I and I and I can take it. Like I don't mind. I hate that one. And I think most people probably have the perception that that I wouldn't like to 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 be on the receiving end. But 
I don't mind. You've been around enough to know. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I don't care what you say to me. I mean, that's but that back and forth and that banter, and, and uh, I like that. All right. Well, let's transition. We'll come back to some of that stuff later on, but let's talk about what you're doing. Actually, today you're back in Austin. And well, for, for a couple of days. What's that? You're golfing? No, I'm here for a couple of days. You're I go back. For, yeah, right. I, you're here for a couple of days, and you're with Next Ventures. Yeah, so I really, man, there's 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 two parts to my life now. Well, there's if you factor in five kids and sure and a, and a and a normal life, family life, that's that's sort of first and foremost. But then on the business side, there's really um, two parts to my life, and those two parts, um, fortunately, have have ended up really completing this amazing flywheel. And so the first part is is just like we're doing now. I mean, creating content through podcasts. Um, I'm not as religious as I used to be with the forward since, which was my original show, which was an interview style show, just like this, just mano a mano. And what uh, was the inspiration for that? What? Why did you decide to go into that? My manager just he he been with me forever and stuck with me through thick and thin, and he had been on me for years. He's like, dude, you have all of these. Interesting friends, dude. Your fucking guest list is and, something. And he's else. like, he's like, yeah, he's like, all these people. That every time they see, it, like, dude, what can I do to help? Like, just let's just get some of this gear, and just just talk to them, just yeah. interview them. I was like, yeah, I don't do that. Uh. But then I finally one day I was like, all right, fuck it, let's do it. And, and so did. we just started, and you know, we 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 use the name forward. You know, it's really a, a metaphor for my life, and. It, and, you know, something that I've had to, I mean, I've had to live by it, man. I've had to just, just I mean, move and, forward. Yeah. And then yeah. my uh, situation and situations, like it's, it's it, plenty of people would have just not moved forward. They would have just stopped or, or laid down. And I was always just like, fuck that, man. I'm moving forward. I'm, this is not good. This is not ideal. But I'll be damned if I'm going to curl up and start crying here. Like I cried plenty, but mm-hmm. I'm moving forward. And so we, we, we used, uh, we used that name, which became a brand, um, started creating content there. The interesting thing about that show for years, because uh, I was so fucking bitter at the sport of cycling, is I refused to talk about cycling. I, you I, never had any, no. uh, until eventually, I think you had like three of your teammates on. That's the only show on the forward that ever addressed cycling was when I had um, those three, I had Christian, George, and, and Dylan on. Mm. Um, and that kind of, but that was also at a moment in my life where I was like, I was starting to lean back into cycling and, and ride more. I got hurt running. So I got back on the bike. Uh, but it was, it was weird, man. I was, there were years, not only would I not talk about cycling on my podcast, but I wouldn't, I mean, I own a bike shop in Austin, Texas. Yeah. You can talk to the, I, I, I refused to go into my bike shop yeah. for years. Because I just I had this bitterness and and, and anger towards the sport, um, and and right or wrong, I mean, some's right, some's wrong. Who knows? Um, but I got over it. Well, let's let's talk about that because I was just talking to a friend of mine last night who he uh, recently left a, a a place that he was uh, working for a long time and felt like those people were family to him, mm-hmm. and in him leaving the way things the, the the way everything got settled it was it was very hard for him mm. and he has a lot of bitterness and he still has a 3 years of kind of dealing with this payout where he has to 
kind of confront this relationship and this fractured relationship. And, you know, for him, uh, even though there's the bitterness, it's an opportunity for him to work through that because it's on him. Mm-hmm. He's the one who's going to deal with that shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the the classic drinking poison and wanting someone else to feel the effects. <laughs> right. And, mm-hmm. and so for, for you, I'm curious. Like, he was asked to leave. They mutually, he, the, 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 the ship was kind of sinking and he's like, I'm moving on and doing my own thing. Um, and they, you know, arguably tried to fuck him in the end. Mm. And he had a good lawyer who's a good buddy of mine and, um, ended up doing, you know, getting what he felt like he deserved. Nevertheless, it's been very uncomfortable for him. And so I'm Mm. curious because when you're fighting that you're, it, 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 it's an internal thing. And yeah. so what was the thing for you that allowed you to let go of that? Because tell me, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but when you're holding on to that, it fucking sucks. And when you let go of it, you're like, oh, why didn't I do this a month ago or six <laughs> months ago? Or well, what was not, your experience? That's not fair. I mean, I, my, my experience was very basic. I mean, it literally came down to um, the question, Lance, do you love riding a bike? Like just putting your stuff on, Clipping in and going for a bike ride. Like, do you love that? Like, are, when you're out there, are you are you in a special place? Are you in a place where you are talking to yourself, thinking to yourself, thinking about everything, right? And 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 the reality is, the only place that I could ever get my head and my mind into that, which I view as a very healthy place, um, a very constructive place, a place of really honestly, just deep, deep therapy. The only time, the only exercise ever in my life that could do that is a bike. I could go for a three-hour run, and I, I would never, not even remotely, get to that place. Three-hour runs, you, you could do a lot of stuff in three hours. Yeah. Um, but it, for whatever reason, it's the bike where I can, I can truly work, work on myself, work on my life, work on my plans, work on... And, and so I just fell back in love with it. I mean, as corny as it sounds... That's a flow state for you. Yeah. It allows everything yeah. to fall away. And so that's what happened. And and um, <laughs> when that happened, then I then I uh, started going back to my shop. <laughs> no, but then I, what what and then on a whim, and this is what kind of blew up to answer your question. This is what made this flywheel actually work. Um, I was like, all right, I don't ever talk about it. Fuck it. I'm gonna do a cycling show. I'm going to do a daily Tour de France recap show. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to go over, but I'm going to come at it from just the rawest, most transparent, honest perspective that I know. And and so I recruited a buddy here in town to come and co-host it with me just to keep the show flowing. Uh, we first did that show, Tour de France 2017, so July of 17. Uh, overnight. It was, uh, you know, top three on iTunes. It was that show in three weeks did 6 million downloads. I mean, it was just, I was like, wow, that, was, that wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and we've just continued to crank that thing out. Actually expanded that show to cover other cycling shows. I've given shows to my old coach, my old sports director, uh, Johan Bernil does a show. He, does, he also does a show in Spanish. So it, it, that show's now about 100, 100 shows a year. No shit. And then, you know, so just imagine that on this side of the my life is this, just call it content. Mm-hmm. As overnight, like as soon as that show did 6 million downloads in 2017, the deal flow started. So just getting 
great looks at great opportunities from great entrepreneurs, great ideas, and asking all kinds of questions, you know, just all over the place. Would you, would you try our gear or, or, or our stuff? Would you, can we advertise? Would you invest? Would you advise? And it was like a switch went off. I mean, it, it happened that quickly. And, and I, and I, you know, I really credit the reach of the show for, for that. But also I think just maybe giving, you know, cause a year before they weren't calling me to, to look at all their stuff. But I think this is the success of the show gave them cover. It's like, okay, well, somebody's leaned back into this guy. He's, mm. you know, he's got a top show on iTunes. He's doing millions of downloads. By the way, year one, we couldn't get an advertiser to save our lives. No shit. Yeah, I funded everything. There was not one advertiser that changed in year two and, and subsequent years. But yeah, just all bootstrapped. What's so, so interesting, you start this thing, you know, 2017, and you just never anticipate what's going to happen downstream. No. Here you are, and we'll talk about Next Ventures in a minute here, but here you are on this completely different path than mm -hmm. I think you would have ever thought you were on in 2017. Right. And it's all because you want to do something that was fucking fun. It's right in your wheelhouse. Right. Oh, it's so easy. So it's easy. It's embarrassing how easy it is. I mean, it, we, it, I should not get paid for it, but... And now it's expanded. Now it's made, we make it even funner with George on the show and, and it's still, so now it's JB still, but we add, I added my old, you know, the only guy that did all seven tours with me, uh, Georgine Cappy, who's a great foil. You know, he, we've got this whole thing figured out. You know, he's the nice guy, the one that everybody likes. I'm the angry, cranky, yeah, the curmudgeon no, asshole no that just, just rags on people. And he's over there being nice. I'm like, you're such a wuss. Like, this is, you're so lame. I mean, it's, you know, and so it's just, man, it's working. You know, what I love, I love what you just said. Um, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's in the book I just gave you, um, the, the Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. But it's, it's so easy. I can't believe I get paid. Like, I think so many of us think that something has to be hard. To make money, yeah. To make money, for right. it to be purposeful. And generally, like our greatest gifts are the things that create all these opportunities. And yeah. you just went to your gift of gab and in your, obviously, your history in cycling. Yeah. And you've been doing the podcast. You're like, fuck it, let's just throw these three things together. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we have next ventures. And so let's yeah. talk about that. Well, so then, and I, and I want to talk about how we make money too, because I think we, I think we, how we make money, and not to make this show about making money, but it does make money now on the content side, but I, but I've, I, have a, I haven't, I think, a, a unique view on how to make money in and around content with advertising. Okay. Um, but so the deal flow starts, and I'm watching this. And when we were doing NAD over there at Onnit, um, even Aubrey, to, to, to a degree, I think, has this. But Tim Ferriss was there. Yes. So I've seen all these guys. I've seen Gary Vee do it. I've seen Saka do it. Ferris, you know, et cetera. You know, they have built an audience. They get deal flow. Most of them, if not all of them, are just individually. They're investing in those deals personally. Um, and then Ferris probably does it more than most, but then he reintegrates some of his investments back into his content. They'll either advertise or he'll talk about it or something. But my point was like, what would happen with this flywheel if, if we created the fund? So we've raised the $75 million fund to invest in health and wellness performance optimization. And then what happens when we 
and all the while being completely honest with the audience uh, when we weave this stuff back into the content, which is what we've done. We first did in summer of 18, and then we did last summer of 2019, which um, it's it's remarkable, you know, and, and and I think that actually gets me to this place of, of you know, the, the audience, my audience, so now that show does the, the cycling show that I'd never wanted to do is about 15 million downloads a year. And so, um, yeah. but it, and, and it is the best, like if I had 15 million 10 years ago, I probably had 50 million, right? In terms yes. of an audience, the world shrunk, but those 15 that have come back, I'd never trade the 15 for the 50. Because the 50 was a, you know, that was just a, it was trendy. It was hot. It was obvious. It was these, 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 these 15, every, every single one of those downloads, and I believe this to be true. Every single download has had to have a conversation with themselves. Like, do I do it? Do I, you know, however, you know, when you go to whatever you do, hit play or download or subscribe, they've all had to say, do I go back? And so once they say, and some people say no, mm-hmm. fair enough. But once they say yes, they're they're on the team. Now you may, I mean, I've said some things where people leave the team, but there, that's fine. You got to be you, so they they can leave. That's that's okay. I try not. I mean, if I talk about Trump or something, they all they leave. But <laughs> um, but I'm not going to stop doing that. Um, and but the other great thing is once they say yes, if the, if anything, if there's ever a bogey, man, they're they're so interactive, which is just amazing. It's like you know, we really didn't. I didn't like that. You know, they, they're, they're very interactive. So it's, it's been great. But the, the one thing about <clears throat> just to bring it full circle and how, you know, we've, we've monetized the show because we will we take ads from people that we've invested in it next. I'm completely honest about it. I say, look, I, I love this product. I love it so much. We've made an investment. I said, I don't know if that's a disclaimer or an endorsement, but I just want you all to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about <clears throat> all of the other advertisers, and this is the commitment, and I say it out loud, this is the commitment I've made to the audience, is you're never going to get, I will, if I read an ad on this show, you're going to get it, okay? It's not going to be Dollar Shave Club or MeUndies or LegalZoom or ZipRecruiter, all this, you know, those are all fine businesses, and then they they invest heavily in the podcast space, but these 15 million people don't want to hear me talk about ZipRecruiter. No. They want to hear me, they, may, they, they like it when I talk about my investments, they actually love it, but if I talk about um, you know, uh, the feed out of Boulder, Colorado. We have nothing to do with that business or our Roka sunglasses or high brew coffee or these are all things that I, and then this is my command. Like, look, you're never going to hear me talking about underwear. Like this is shit that's going to be in line with what I believe in and what you all believe in. You're going to get it. Like I'm, you, I, we don't need the money that bad. So I've tried to keep it just super core, super authentic and, and, and on point with this audience. And I, and I think if, Two things. I think if I started talking about underwear, I think they'd leave. Mm-hmm. And if and if every single one of my advertisers were investments we've made, they'd leave. Mm-hmm. They'd say, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, it's a I, different type of alignment. I, I get it now. Okay, we all came back. He's got this fund. He's invested. We're all buying his stuff. We're out. So I have to be super... I keep them very separate. I have to be very sensitive. I'm super sensitive to those 15 million people. And... um. So far, so good. I love that. And I love, um, you know, I've obviously been kind of figuring out as I go forward in this space, what does that look like? And, mm-hmm. you know, do I take on sponsors at some point? And if I do, 
Um, what does that look like? And it's it's very much what you've said. It's these things that I personally use right. that I'm aligned with their mission and what they're doing and how they're improving. Yeah. So here's the goal. It, the, at least in my, the way my dumbass mind works. <clears throat> if I would have to read the ad, I shouldn't take it. Mm, I like that. If I can just, and, and, and again, companies that we have nothing to do with, we have no skin in the game, we just like them. And the, yes, they pay us to be... All, you should you should just talk about it, yeah. and and you know read is thirty seconds. You talk about a, co- a product, it's two minutes, but yeah. it's but it's and, and you involve your other people on the show. Like holy shit, George, have you tried this new this new double uh, high brew coffee? This tall can, the double double shot. I'm like holy fuck, this is. I feel good. <laughs> you know, just it just go like that. It shouldn't be like yes, and we are high brew coffee from Austin, Texas, cold brewed. For those who do, like that's lame. Yeah. So if I ever have to read an ad, that's an ad I shouldn't take. Mm. Now, bullet points. So the, 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 I think it's fair for these companies, and there may be a buy code, there may be a, 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 a an offering they have or a release, whatever. Bullet points, fine, but you should just riff on it. Yeah, you got to be discerning about. Yeah. Like there are some things that they really want you to present. With that in mind, a buddy of mine asked me to ask you this: Do you ever ride the Peloton? No. <laughs> Hell no. Why not? Man. <clears throat> Have you ever ridden on one? No. So here's, a, here's uh, uh, I'm going to answer, uh, uh, I'm going to answer your I love I'm, my you're... Peloton, so just, you know, be gentle. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you, uh, a, I'm going to tell you a story that will answer your question. It's not going to make me give away my Peloton. I don't, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. I, don't, I mean, if you're afraid of cars, I get it, you know. <laughs> But uh, I'm afraid of cars too now, all these idiots driving around. But uh, <clears throat> this is not going to sound like I'm answering the question, but this will answer the question. Okay. So I got a buddy. I'm, I love art. I collect a ton of art. I, I love jamming on art, looking at art, meeting artists. It's kind of a secret <laughs> obsession. So sophisticated. Yeah, right. I'm not, it's not. Believe me, it's not that sophisticated. <laughs> I mean, I, I like art of, you know, boobies and, and asses and... <laughs> And everything. So it's street art. I mean, I, my original, you know, uh, source of my own inspiration was was street art, which is now sort of this world has evolved and has become fine art. But um, I, I use a guy in L.A. Um, to kind of help me source art and, and look through stuff and bring stuff to me. His name is Danny Comden. And my favorite artist uh, of all time is Ed Rocher, who's, who's, a, who's a, is probably America's most important living contemporary artist. I love Ed, love him personally. I've had him on my show, um, collect a bunch of his art. And Ed's getting up there. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't just get to go to Ed's studio. And so, and I'm not, and I'll leave out certain names. But so Danny took a guy that we he and I both know to visit Ed. And I got so mad. I said, Are you fucking kidding me? You you took him to see Ed? Like uh, it, that that is a that is you don't just go see and hang out at Ed Rocher's studio. Like this is, this like I said, I mean, I can't say it any stronger. It's probably America's most important living contemporary artist. I was like, why? why? And Danny, and he's, he's, like a, he's like a valley boy. He goes, dude, dude, he's an indoor kitty. You're an outdoor kitty. <laughs> Got it. And this guy's truly was truly an indoor kitty, 
and I'm I'm just an outdoor kitty, man. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna put on bike shorts, bike shoes, ride a bike, it is going to be outside. I refuse to ride a bike inside. Perfect. And if it's bad weather or you're in a place where you don't have a bike, then go run. Mm-hmm. I just I couldn't. So I know you love it. Um, I'm personally short the business. I think I think uh, this isn't a business podcast, but I I, I just think there's going to be there's no moat around that business. I think there's going to be a ton of competitors. And, um, you know, do you remember Jazzercise? Yeah. Do you remember the step? I mean, the, and, not, and that's not being critical of Peloton. It's just people. They've got a huge footprint, though. Yeah. Well, they better get busy on, if I'm advising Peloton, you know, the, the, the treadmill, I think, was a logical next step. I think they're playing with the... Because there's all of these other concepts in and around subscription and content, right? So the hot instructor, you know, giving you the motivating class. Um, but but I'm and I'm sure they're doing this. But you know, they better be working on a full body solution, just like Mirror or Tonal or Form Life. They better be working on a rowing solution, like like uh, this super sexy rowing machine. I don't know if you've seen it. God dang it, I'm spacing on the name. But that's that's the only way they can, you can't just keep pumping out. Cycling classes. Sure. Sure. Okay. Do you watch the classes? Yeah. Okay. That's cute. Most of the time, I'll put my own music in, okay. and I'll put the closed caption on so I'll know kind of where I'm supposed to be, but yeah, or I'll listen to a podcast or something like that. So the I music's to- a bit, the, the music part's been a big problem for them. I mean, they... they Really? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't get. You know, they... As the, com- as the business was going like this, you know, when it was down here, they're probably playing... I mean, all the stuff I see around here, Cope and Guns N' Roses and Tupac and, and Black Keys and Beastie Boys, they're playing all that stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the shit starts going like this. And these licensing companies go, wait a second. Because mm. if you play that music on a radio station or at a club or whatever, technically, you're supposed to, that, that, that you pay for that. You pay a royalty, that's right. And so they got, they got behind on that. Um, which, anyways, I mean, look, it, 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 it you know, it's a, it's a billion dollar business, which is, it's pretty awesome. But okay, let's shift gears again. Let's okay. get back to next ventures. Okay, we'll talk about. Um, I mean, we reconnected recently about um, the. I'm spacing on it right now. Power dot amp human. Yeah, on amp Lotion. human. Yep, that's right. Talk about that a little bit. And why you like it. So I, well, I like it because it absolutely works. It's called PR Lotion. It's, well, the, the, the company is called Amp Human. We're mm-hmm. based in Park City, started uh, by uh, a guy named Jeff Byers and his partner, Erica Good. Um, I, I, f- from the get-go, I like it because I met Jeff Byers. And if Jeff Byers was selling gongs, you'd buy it. Like you meet, you know, when you meet a person. I spoke with him on the phone after. He's just going to will us. it to happen. Yeah, he's, I mean, this, he's this, that this guy. This is a dude. He's, so he played. I was an old, 320 pound lineman at USC. Oh t- shit! Yeah, I'm gonna, this is a crazy story. His team captain played on the national played in the national championships against the University of Texas, which uh, they fortunately lost. Um, then went and played in the league, got hurt, went back to business school, and then when he was in business school, he's like, it's 300 plus. Right, your three hundred pound linemen either go to four hundred or to two hundred. They don't stay at three hundred. <clears throat> so he starts running and swimming and riding. He's now like a two hundred twenty pound, two hundred thirty pound triathlete. But you just meet the dude and you're like, this guy's a winner. And so 
Um, so you have that, you have the, the people part, which we, we focus heavily on. We also focus on, uh, you know, our, 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 one of our main tenants or filters is like, if there were 10 people making sodium bicarbonate cream, we, we don't do that deal. But there isn't 10 people. There's only one person that can make that cream. And it's them because they have the worldwide exclusive rights for non-pharmaceutical transdermal absorption. So bicarbonate cream is just their first product. Like, let's just come out with that. It's done amazingly well. As we put it into the flywheel, it kills it. Uh, they're working on vitamin D. They've got a grant from the Department of Defense to test it in combat. They're working on glycogen. So with these patents, which is what makes them unique. So now we've got the person, the mm -hmm. entrepreneur, the team. You have to start there. I've fucked that up so many times in investments. We And we have two. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, we have two. I mean, you can, you can totally fall in love with a technology, a product, a service, a, a drink, a bar, whatever. And, but if you've got, you know, Yosemite Sam over here running the, <laughs> running the company, it doesn't work. No. no. And, and it's hard to replace them yeah. or, or shift them. So, so now you've got buyers in his team. You've got, um, you've got the patent, um, which allows them to basically roll out an endless suite of products. And so that's why we did. And, but on the PR lotion, I mean, it absolutely works. I mean, if you, both teams in the Super Bowl last year used it. Both teams in the Stanley Cup used it. Um, the last two winners of the tour used it. Uh, when Kipchoge just ran 159, he used it over his entire body. The shit, it, it, uh, when it was first given to me, I was like, stop it. This doesn't work. It, Kyle Kingsbury is no chump. Dude, no, he slathers himself he's, up. He, and nobody pushes himself harder than Kyle King. He will not do anything without PR lotion. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it just, the fact that it it absolutely works, it's just incredible. But then as a business and as an investment, you know, the potential for them to just keep going. I mean, vitamin D, half of the world is deficient in vitamin D. And it's really hard, uh, the absorption. That's the whole problem. It, That's not, the problem with bicarbonate. Yeah. You can ingest it or inject it. If you ingest it, you got to take a ton and it rocks your stomach. Who's going to go inject it mm -hmm. other than me back in the day? <laughs> um, <laughs> watch, watch your head I over there. Know. But um, no, it just, it, 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 it just takes the stomach out of the whole, takes the gut out. Yeah. So. And especially with today's guts. I mean, we're, our guts are so fucked up from the food supply that, you know, to be able to bypass that. Yep. And then it becomes more, much more, I'm guessing, much more bioavailable because it is just coming yep. right into the, right away. the system. Awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> any other like kind of cool companies or or devices that you mentioned? PowerDot. PowerDot. We 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 love PowerDot. It was the first company we invested in. It was the first. We did some personal investment there, my partner and I, um, and then uh, made a larger investment from the fund uh, at that previous valuation, which has made it really attractive for the, just the returns of the fund. But um, again, game-changing technology. We've all, if you grew up in sports, everybody's had either TENS or E-STEM or, but it's mm -hmm. come in the form of going to the trainer's office or the chiropractor's office and it's a big machine and there's cables everywhere and that machine costs them 5,000 bucks and they charge you 150 bucks every time you go. And this is a two or $300, depends if you do the one or two-headed one, but it's two to 300 bucks. It's the size of of this book you just gave me. Throw in my backpack, take it on the road. I mean, it's a game changer. No Download shit. the app, Bluetooth enabled. I mean, it really um, unbelievable product. And and 
once we put it back into the flywheel, it just crushed. I mean, they did. That was when the 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 light for me really went off. I'll just give you the numbers. So Power Dot in 2017 did two million dollars in sales. We put them on the show for three weeks. So the, the tour is three weeks. So the three weeks of the tour in 2018, they did six hundred thousand in sales, four fifty directly from our show. And then they did five million in 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 twenty eighteen. Last year they did about eight or nine million. So we just, you know, the, the flywheel just it works. And so what's your specific role? What are some of the roles that you play within Next so Ventures? I, honestly, on on PowerDot, I don't run point like I, you know, like most venture funds, you have a one of the associates or one of the managing partners is sort of the 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 lead on it. And so my partner Lionel's the lead on PowerDot. But you know, where I come in is is if here's a good this is a real example. If if uh, I don't know if you know what Strava is, mm-hmm. Strava's mapping, tracking. Um, just your routes, your times against, and with a real social component, huge. I think they're somewhere between 35 and 40 million active users on a daily basis. Fucking huge. Um, You know, it makes perfect sense that if you went for a five hour bike ride, that there should be some prompt like, hey, you should, to speed up recovery, here's, you know, here's your protocol for the power dot. And so it would have taken them, I don't know, six weeks to get that meeting. But since, I mean, I've been with the Strava people forever and, and, and been a fanatical user for a long time. And so that's one phone call, right? So it's just like, Hey, Eric, meet Mark and Mark meet Eric. And okay, good. When's the meeting tomorrow? Okay, great. Tomorrow. Got it. So that's, it just cuts out a lot of the, just a lot of the bullshit. A lot of the friction. Yeah. Awesome. And I've been at the game for, you know, this world of, you know, I hate using words like high performance and performance and optimization because they sound so fast and cool and sexy. The reality is the person who gets last in the marathon, obviously the winner wants to be optimized. The person who got last, they do want to be optimized. They wanted it to be easier. They want to recover better. When they get back to work, they want better clarity, better focus. They want to be better teammates, family members, moms, dads, whatever. So, and everybody in between. So you have 40,000 people in the New York City Marathon the way we look at it and under the umbrella of optimization, everybody wants it. They all want it. Guys, gals, first place, last place, middle place, everybody wants it. And it's not going away. No. This, the, 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 the stats will show you that whatever the fuck they're going to call this next generation, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. What, what, do we haven't named it yet, no. but they're there. They care more about their health and wellness than any previous generation ever in the history of the world. And so it's here to stay. Mm. So I'm curious with, as you've moved on, obviously from this career in cycling, what is it? Well, I got a couple questions. For one, when you decided to retire, what time? <laughs> well, finally, right? When you finally, yeah, 20, when you finally did, and you know, I, I'm up in Idaho with a bunch of these hockey guys who've retired. And so I, I get to kind of have up close and personal what it feels like for them. And it's terrible. Cha- it's challenging. Terrible. What's so, so kind of paint a picture for people. Like, what does it feel like? You, even if you go out on a, on a victory, right? You're still leaving behind a team. You're leaving behind. Well, like what, what's that feel it's like? It's a void. I mean, it's terrible. I've, I've been uh, in a, in a couple weird ways. Not well. I mean, when I retired, cause I retired the first time in 2005. 
And then I came back in 2009. <clears throat> you know, that void, so to speak, was filled by Livestrong. So I, I, I just dove headfirst into Livestrong and, um, and, and just having fun with life. And so it didn't, I still came back, which I guess you could argue that there was something, there was some itch there that needed to be scratched. Mm. Um, and then when I retired again in 2011, the shit hit the fans so hard that honestly it filled the void. Like it was, a, it was a terrible time and it was ugly and expensive and, and embarrassing, but it was so busy and competitive and intense and stressful that it filled the void. Like it was, I can't imagine what it would have been like if I just, just retired again. That's interesting. Yeah. So I was, I was having to, you know, fight all these lawsuits, figure out who the fuck my friends were, um, get kicked out of, uh, of Live Strong. So that was gone. Um, but just battle. I mean, I was just battling. And so that went for six years. But it's hard, man. To, to your point of these hockey, it doesn't have to be hockey. It could be any guy. No, that's what I'm just curious. Like it, it's, you know, you leave a sport. You know, I left trading. I know what that was like. That was a team for me. And uh, when I left, though, I I had something I wanted to do. I right. left kind of on my terms. I didn't leave on top. I didn't leave after the unbelievable year and, like, see right. you later. It was like, oh, we had a couple of shitty years. I'm like, this is it's over mm -hmm. for me. Right. I'm, I'm ready to move on. Um, but everybody has their own experience with yeah, it. Yeah, but you got it's different for athletes. You got You have to... I think it's safe to say and to consider that most of these guys didn't go to college. Most of them, if, that, if you're that good, you went from high school to being a pro athlete, basically. Yeah. And so so all that to say, you don't have a degree to, to fall back on. Sorry about that. You good. Um, and so that's taken out of it, right? So what are you going to, now you're 35, you might have some money saved up and you can't go get a job. I mean, if you're, Maybe you can commentate. Maybe, I mean, what do you, dude, it's, I see it all the time. It's, well, it's a problem. And then for how long, at a certain age, you've been told what to do by a coach or yeah. a team up until that point when you retire. And yeah. then it's, you're left to your own devices. Yeah. Yeah, and then, they, then their wife is telling them what to do. And she's not used to having them around. <laughs> right. And he's trying to find his way in the family now in a new role mm -hmm. and she's not sure she wants him around because it was actually working really well when he had his yep. thing to go to every day. So Dude, tell it's me a, this. It's a, that's an epidemic. Well, tell me this. What was it like when in your situation was obviously a little bit different or a lot different. How hard was it for you to show up as dad when you were dealing with all that? Like how 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 did you? How no, did you? No, I mean that that was easy because that's I I decided that all right, okay, I see what's happening here. This is this is going to be a colossal meltdown. Like I'm going to lose a hundred million dollars. I'm going to lose half of my friends. I'm going to lose the organization that I spent 15 years building and raising half a billion dollars to help three million other people. It's all gone. And so here here's what I'm going to do. Right, I'm going to I'm going to. Uh, I'm not going to lay down. I'm not going to curl up. I'm not going to, you know, be a little baby about it. I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to double down on my kids. I'm going to double down on my health and wellness. I'm going to double down on those half of my friends that didn't haul ass. Uh, 
And that was my move. It's just to like, no, just boom, lean straight. If I hug my kids, you know, the day before it just shit hit the fan, if it was on a scale of one to 10, if it was a seven, I'm tomorrow I'm going to hug them a 14. Mm-hmm. Like just double everything on them. And so, and I didn't, you know, I, I was eyes wide open, man. If, if it was going to a sporting event or a practice or a performance or whatever, or taking them to school, I didn't, I didn't flinch. I didn't, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Austin's credit, man, they were great. Like there, there was very little, um, not, not pushback, but there was very little, uh, I think this city, the schools, the teachers, the, their peers, the counselors, everybody was, was, was really supportive of my kids. Mm-hmm. And what would, what would you want your kids to take away from your experience? You know, what's the, like the, what you went through, what you experienced, right? Whether it was your own doing or not, like what, like what is the life lesson or are there life lessons packed in there for them? I mean, there's a lot of life lessons. I mean, I, I think the, this idea around, I mean, look, I mean, the, the, the didn't go down the way it went down because I, uh, I doped, right? It went down because I was ruthless and vile and mean and, and, and a bully. And, you know, that just comes down to honesty and integrity. And that's all the shit. Like if you look at your kids, if you saw your kid out, if you could just boil it down and he was acting like Lance Armstrong of 2004, if he was doing that on the playground, you'd lose your mind. Mm. You'd be like, what? Get your ass over here. What mm-hmm. are you? But I didn't have anybody to come over at the playground back then and, and tap me on the shoulder. I just was doing it on my own, being an idiot. And so, you know, the, that idea around honesty, integrity, fairness, um, and and I'm not even talking about doping a sport because this is, I'm, I'm, when I say fairness, I'm not like being like, let's all be fair in the race. Sure. No, fairness towards other people um, because there was no fair in bike race. You know, I don't care what anybody says. There was no such thing as fair. Mm-hmm. It was totally unfair. And it was the wild, wild west. And so we just were trying to manage that. Um, I mean, I think people get that. I think people are like, okay, I got that. But you were really unfair to a lot of people, which is true. And so there's that. But then there's also just this lesson of like, the, my kids are, they're, they're going to live a blessed life, but they're going to have times where, you know, you might fail a class, you might lose a job, you might uh, get divorced, you might um, uh, get dumped or whatever, you know. And so the, how do you respond and react and recover from that, which is like, if I look at my jam, like I, that's the thing I'm the most proud of, if I can be proud of myself. I mean, it's just the fact that I'm sitting here, what's it been, uh, eight years later, and, you know, if you just go through the phases of he goes in hiding, he, he lays low, he doubles down on his kids and his health, um, he slowly starts to reemerge building content. Now, I mean, if you look at the, who'd have thought, nobody would have thought that. Fuck no. Yeah, and so, and by the way, there was no plan. So the shit hits the fan, you know, whatever, October, September, October of 2012. It wasn't like there was a summit January of 13. Like, okay, here's the steps, dude. We made this shit up as we went along. I just told you. My manager bugging me to do a show because I've got interesting friends. Mm -hmm. Me going, no. And then going, okay, fuck it, let's do it. And then falling back in love with the bike and then creating the second show. That audience blows up. The deal flow starts. The fun starts. Like, we just made it up. Dude, it's like it's a classic just going back. Like, <laughs> yeah. when, when all, it's good, go back inward. And what is, 
what is inside you? Well, inside you is getting on the bike. Inside you is your family and your friends that are there. Yep. And it's it's just starting there to the shit we know. Yeah. And keeping it true to as we I mean, even on the money on the, the advertising side, just keeping it completely for like I just can't. First of all, I don't ever work, I don't work for anybody. I mean, I guess I do in a sense that I work for my LPs, but I don't um they feel more like partners. Yeah. Than, than my employer. Um, but it's just keeping it authentic, keeping it core. And if there's ever a time where you got to, you got to, I mean, because I did it, man. I, did, I had so many deals for so many, so long, so many endorsements. You're like, am I really going to stand up and say this for a bunch of zeros at the end of the number? Like, fuck that. I ain't never going back to that. Mm-hmm. No way. So keep it real, as the kids say. Yeah, well, tell me, what is what is what does training look like for you today? Fuck, not good. <laughs> like, it's I have a bunch of problems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest, the biggest problem is that I primarily live in Aspen, and I'm I'm not only am I an outdoor kitty, I'm an outdoor summer kitty. Ooh. So, I I I, I hit up the gym. I'll do what they call schemo, so ski mountaineering, which is basically hiking up the mountain with a pair of skis on that are skinned, mm-hmm. like, so they catch and you just essentially walk, hike up, and then at the top take the skins off and you just ski down. I love, I love doing that, but I'm not. If if uh, it's weird because so many people are so into skiing, but if you you know I dumped 12 inches one day and and was dark and cloudy, and the next day was bluebird day, and these people get so excited, they're like, dude a bluebird powder day like they, they they would they they would they'd work a year for that one day mm-hmm. i'm like no nah, i have no interest and it's hard right be the boots it's all about the boots well it's uh it's i've i've dealt with some of that shit in my own life where it's everybody likes this thing and you want to like it like you know up in idaho I don't really like wake surfing. I don't like doing right. shit behind the boat. I'd rather just be on the boat and watch everybody else do it. Right. Booze cruise. But I feel I feel like shitty because I don't like it. I don't feel shitty. Yeah. I just don't like it. Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson. Like yeah. just like whatever. And feels my whole good family, you, like Anna, she is obsessed. That day, that day that's the bluebird day with 12 inches of powder, she will be the first person there. Mm. And she's so frustrating for her. She's like, why are you not getting into this? I'm like, just stop. I'm, I'm not going to get into it. So yeah, let it go. Yeah. So I just, I'll make it up. But if I'm here, man, I'll do, or if I'm, you know, I'm working a ton and moving around a ton and traveling. So running is honestly the easiest. Like if you're on the road, I mean, you're not going to go try to find a gym. You know what? I hate hotel gyms. Fuck it. Just running shoes are easy to pack. You know, look, I look, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with Google Earth, so I'll just look on Google Earth and just find my where I need to go and knock it out. And how's the other stuff? How's the nutrition and all that stuff? No, like, it's not know? good either. Yeah, but the, on the road, it's not, <laughs> it's, it, the, the, no part of being on the road is healthy. I mean, it, it, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm weird too. I have periods where I, I, I really care about that. And, you know, if I'm going to, care about it or focus on anything it'd be plant-based i mean i'll i'll try to do two-thirds of the day Mm plant-based um but having lived like a monk for 20 years 25 years there's a whole part of me that's like 
I mean, I'll just fully confess because I was I had this walking meeting this morning. And it was driving over here, and I was hungry. I was like, should I drive through McDonald's and get a breakfast sandwich? I didn't because I knew I was coming over here. And, but I would. And, and what was waiting for you here? Cinnamon rolls from your daughter, from Hope, your daughter. <laughs> yeah, how good was that? Really good. But no, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a seafood eater, which means if I see it, I'll... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it'll... it'll um, I'll get back on it. I'll get back on it. We'll see what we, you know, we're full-time in Aspen. So I, I think I think the move back to Austin is happening. So that'll be, that'll be better. You for, think you're going to be coming back here? Yeah. I hope Anna doesn't listen to this show, but okay, yeah, she, she wants to stay there. It's mostly for men. We have, you know, it's, 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 you know, my, one of my daughters who's in high school up there is graduating going to see you oh so she went there for her senior year she came for her senior year and her sis- and how's sister that ex- how's that ex- oh, it's awesome she's grace armstrong they're both awesome but grace will uh you know when i'm in diapers at 85 or 90 she'll be the one there helping out if you don't start working out better you're gonna be there at 75 no way there's <laughs> no fucking way 75 75 is nothing i'm already at 50 yeah that's true Maybe 78. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, so she grads, she goes off to college. And so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I t- like Austin. I'm proud of the, proud of the city. What, uh, with just speaking about your kids, what's a, what's, what has been your framework or w- whatever? I know your, your oldest, he, he's playing football at Rice still. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. What's a, What's it like to parent as someone who's had, you know, had the the seven jerseys and like, what's, how do Adam you... didn't have them, maybe has them, who knows where they are. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, like, nobody, nobody came and claimed them. There you go. Well, so what's it like though? I'm, for me, you know, I, I played division two hockey, so there's right. not, not a right. high bar necessary to get over. Right. Um, um, okay. It's a great question. And, I, and, and it's a slightly... Uh, nuanced answer because i have i have two two chunks of kids right? I have absolutely the three that lived through how's it changed over time maybe yeah well that's we'll get to that in a sec so they lived through it so they were that was real time my little ones who were uh two and one obviously had no idea they had no idea but in this gen, in this era that we live in, the, everything is forever. Interviews are forever. Depositions I've given in lawsuits fifteen years is forever. Uh, the Oprah special is forever, right? With YouTube and people's ability, I mean, it's right there. So my kids will, the younger ones, are now growing into that, where it's in it. You know, and it's it, we had a thing a few years ago, and where some kid figured out who Max was and said, oh, your dad, your dad's the cheater. Imagine that pickup that day. And so, and they're kids and, you know, it's probably one of the parents is like, ah, that's fucking asshole, the cheater. you know, so the kid says, your, your dad's a cheater, right? And, and all that to say, like, that's stuff that, that I'll be dealing with for, it wasn't enough that I dealt with it with the older kids. Understood. Now the younger ones are going to grow into it and I'll deal with it again. And so... Um, but I've, I've maintained the same policy. The same policy for the older is an open door policy. You have any questions, you, at any time, anywhere, any place you want to sit down and, and talk about what I did, 
anytime. And so that goes for the, um, that goes for the little ones as well as they grow into it. And as those comments get made now to answer the thing, the second part of the question, it's changed, right? It's, it's, and not by design, as I mentioned a second ago. I mean, it's just changed. Like for our older kids, you know, October 2012, you know, probably not a lot of those kids thought it was too cool to be uh, Luke Armstrong, you know, or you're like, oh my God, what's that? But it's because I've been I've been able to, and again, not by design, just been able to reemerge and play some offense. It's, it's kind of, that sounds stupid, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool again, like in a weird way. Like it's not. Yeah, it's a redemption story. Let's yeah, be for, honest. for Luke, it's not. It's not. And you know, uh, the fact that he, you know, he's at the sports management program at Rice, which is an amazing school. Sports management department is incredible. I mean, the fact that they are asking me to come speak to the entire class, you know. Luke can be proud. Of, I, I think you know. I know he's proud of that because he's like, "Hey, Dad, uh, just." Um, before you say yes, just uh, just make sure we get three or four seats right in front. Awesome. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. I'm like, and I told him, I said, well, hang on a second. I'm not going to say that like on the first email. Mm-hmm. Like, let me get like three or four emails deep with this dude. I'm like, hey, man, you think you got some seats for my son and his buddies right up front? Which, of course. Right. But, you know, so stuff like that, that it's, you know, they didn't, they didn't ask me to do that in 2012. Well, and I'm also, let me, let me take it a step further. Um, being someone who's accomplished, let's, let's talk about your athletic accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there can be this shadow cast, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look, you know, Wayne uh, Gretzky is, is one of our friends up in Idaho and I see the way Wayne and Janet um, and Janet arguably is way more competitive than Wayne I just see stories. See the way that <laughs> that he, you know, is with his kids and allows them that space. You know, so how how hard is it to remind them? And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like that they're their own. Yeah. Like what what my my kids, I don't know how or are your accomplishments so fucking high up there that it's like not even a thing that they have to worry about. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a middling thing like, oh, fuck, my dad did this, so I got to try to... I don't think they worry about it because I never uh, I never put any pressure on them. My kid, And I'll just make it really simple. My kids were, all of them, all five of them, were the last kids in their class to learn how to ride a bike. Right? I, I, I made that a point. Like, I am not going to be the guy out there going, get on the bike, come on, paddle, paddle, paddle. You know, they were the last kids. And so, and and I, all of them played sports. I would go to these, you know, all sports, all games. And I'd watch these parents that were just so fucking just helicoptering. They're still And I'm just, oh, of course. I see, I see it. Now my little guy's playing hockey. You talk about some crazy sports parents. (laughs) Fuck. These hockey parents, dude, I'm like, what is wrong with you? They are 10. These fucking refs. I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, I mean, Luke uh, will, you know, that's, I think there's a time where it matters. You know, Luke played here at Westlake High, O-lineman. They went to the uh, state semifinals um, and got completely robbed. Like, they got totally robbed. Now, I was pissed about that. I wasn't jumping up and down and screaming. I was was sad. I was devastated. But it's like, let them, if my fucking kid wants to, well, he does. I mean, our little guy played the tuba. 
Yeah. No, not the tuba. He played the, um, yeah, the tuba, the big thing. I was thinking of the trombone. But he played the tuba. I was like, you know what? If you want to play the tuba, if you want to be a really good or not so good tuba player, I don't care. But, you know, be into it. Be committed. Practice. If you're into it, then be into it. If you want to play hockey, and this is great. I mean, the Max, he never he grew up here. He'd never ice skated his entire life. Last year, he's like, all, all these kids, I want to play hockey. I was like, you don't know how to ice skate. He's like, well, I now, you know, figured. They were holding his, holding his own. You know how it goes. He's like a young Lance swimming in the six-year-old lane. End of the year, scoring goals. Fuck, dude. So, I mean, I see stuff like that. Like, I don't, like, that makes me cry. Watching, you know, or getting mad at an ump or what. Just, I'm like, it's just people really. Like, and it's not good for kids. No. You see amazing talents, amazing athletes, young athletes that that just tap. They're like, fuck this, man. The pressure from my own parents, moms and dads, is just too great. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And so I've just always been like, hey, whatever, man, whatever you want to do. Mm. They got to study. They got to get, get good grades, which fortunately they all do. But um, there's absolutely no pressure. Whether, you know, forget whatever I did or didn't do, but just... I, even if I wasn't a professional athlete, I think I'd be the same way. I, I, I think I'd just, I'd let them, let them be their own person. That's awesome. I don't think there's enough, as as you know, like you, you, any kind of place where there's youth sports, it's really challenging. I mean, I have to sit by myself because all the parents or most of the parents are are so, I don't know if they're living through their kids or there's, there's just some disconnect about why the kid's actually playing. Yeah. And it's hard, you know? Um, I mean, it was, we had a Max's, he's just basketball season just started up there in Aspen. It was, this was a year, this is a grade older than him. His parents, it was Aspen versus Basalt, which is the next town, Down Valley. They got in a fight. Parents. I'm like, I, I wasn't there, but I'm just like, are you kidding? Like, these, they're 10 years old. We're going to get in a fight. <laughs> Brother. This is so lame. No, it is. But, dude, it's real. It is. All right, I know you get a roll. I got one. I got one last question. Okay. I wanted to ask you. Um, and it 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 reminds me of something that someone who's been on your podcast, Jesse Itzler, mm-hmm. who I think is awesome. I love his message. The way he um, has obviously you talk about real. I mean that that he is one of the right. Yeah, Jesse Isler should be president. One By the, the way, his wife is, you know, his wife is. Yes, yeah, she's, she's, she's done a few things too. She's a complete badass. Well, I mean, what a power couple. One of the things that he said many things that have resonated, but one of the things that's always stuck with me is he doesn't care about Marquis Jet. He doesn't care about, what he, like, whatever he's done in the past. It's in the past, like, the bus is going to roll on. Mm-hmm. And so... I think having that mentality really allows for an openness to create and succeed in whatever it looks like. And so I wonder if that, you know, here again, in your closet are seven, right? Mm -hmm. Yellow jerseys. What does it feel like as you're going towards, you know, this new, uh, in, you know, with next ventures and, and whatever else you're doing, is it, hard not to measure it against that because you were the top of the the heap mm-hmm. or is it i've moved on from that i don't care about that yep. anymore 
I'm taking the lessons that got me there and, and applying them going forward. It's, it's, that was, that was, have a great, actually speaking of Ed Roche, I have an amazing piece of his and his, his, his work is, is very typical. You know, you'll know an Ed piece. It's very, um, font based and, and just kind of witty kind of, but this piece anyways, it's, it's, uh, that was then this is now. So, you know, if you, if you were to go to my house today, I mean, I, the seven jerseys, uh, when, when I had other houses with more wall space, that would be the only thing in that house. You know, you go into some athletes' houses, and if, if this was, I don't know, some he'd have all his, you know, MVP and, you know, blah, 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 all his stuff everywhere, photos throughout the house. If you walked into my home, you would never, if nobody said anything, like if you were looking at it to buy it and said, this is John Doe's, they'd be like, okay. You would not, not one thing on the walls. They were literally in the closet. Well, the jerseys are now in the closet because we don't have enough. I, I would, if I had a, a different sized wall, which hopefully when we move back to Austin, that'll happen. Mm-hmm. I, I would put those back up, but there wouldn't be the 1996 flesh alone. There wouldn't be the stage win from 1995. Seven yellows, you know, put them back in a back room or whatever, but that's it. Like don't have it all over the place. And I know a bunch of guys, man, they got the shit everywhere. I'm like, well, it's hard to let it go if they, when I think that's a that's a great lesson when you're surrounded that's a huge by mistake. it. You walk into that's a that huge and it's mistake. A, it's that, that is not going to serve you. You're living in, in the past. That that does not that isn't going to that isn't going to help me. Mm-hmm. Certainly not going to help me. And so that was then. This is now, man. And and um, having said that, if if we can, if I can complete this, you know, sort of this project that I'm on of this flywheel and and. Um, I mean, I don't take it lightly that I've taken $75 million of other people's money. I mean, I'm, I'm it's a whole new ball game for you. I mean, I'm the biggest, my partner and I are the two biggest investors, but still. I was going to ask you that. That's, that's, yeah, that's we're, great we're, to hear. We're, we're currently the two biggest. We have no big chunks, no institutional money, no et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but that is a, I take that very seriously. And so um, if I can ultimately make that call and say, hey, you know, this fund, you know, did 10 or 15 or 20 X and here's your money back, buddy. It'll make seven yellows look like peewee. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it'll be, it will mean so much more to me. A, that they trusted me with their hard earned money. Um, B, that I was able to just somehow get back into the world and play offense again. And to see, make it happen, like do the job and, 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 and return people's capital fucking well then i'll have to go raise the second fund so you can't can't (laughs) drop can't drop the mic you got to go raise another fund but i love that i think that's kind of a great life lesson we think a lot of us spend our our early years up into the 40s with you know this certain type of mission you know a lot of times for people it's it's money driven right it's achievement driven Mm -hmm. and we hit this midlife and we look around we've kind of accomplished enough it's like what am i really here to do like what is purposeful to me and to hear you speak about this new venture you know pardon the pun but yeah it's really but even on the content side like you've felt it you've done this is your 11th or 12th show you'll have a show i I have shows where i get up and i'm like like but just electric just like holy did that just you know and when you get a show like that that's just 
That's just magic. Well, it's creating a new framework for what success looks like. I think yeah. that's a big thing for me that, that I, as I've stepped into this space and kind of let go of some of my past, it's like, what does success look like? And it's a completely different framework mm-hmm. than dollars and cents. Yeah. That would be cool if that came along with it, but it doesn't have to. Right. You know, with you, arguably it kind of does. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, just yeah. the, the nature of the business, but. but that's not the most, the most important part is being res- responsible stewards of other people's yeah. money and giving them back, you know, some multiple of that and saying, you know, thanks for trusting me. That's, and yes, we will, we will make money along the way in that process. But, but um, I mean, that just, who would have saw that come? I didn't see that coming. No. And it's because why? It's because you back in 2017 yeah. or before that when you Slightly started. before that. Yeah. That's when I just started pedaling more. Yeah. It's just, but it's, again, listen to your intuition, folks. Thank God I got hurt running. Like it's these things. <laughs> Not for real. Yeah. We don't no, for think real. about these things and yeah. they fucking set us up. Yeah. For this. Yeah. It just um, fell on my lap. Yeah, man. So anyway, <laughs> listen, I know you got to roll. Yep. Thanks so much for coming. I gotta on, go brother. raise money. I got another, yeah, another, another, another lunch meeting to pound the pavement. Yeah, say the same thing five times a day. It's so inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> All right, love you, brother. Thanks, bro. You've been listening to the Great Unlearn. For more information, please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BunkerCal and on Facebook as John Callahan. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn and we'll talk soon.